0: Welcome to Changing Worldviews podcast with Sharon Hughes, broadcast journalism you can trust to bring you the truth regarding the issues of our day and the worldviews behind them. We've entered
1: into 5784 on the Hebrew calendar, the year of the open door.
2: The new global governance report talking about what will be the trigger issues that could compel the major countries of the world to have to come together and form a global system of government. The issues that you're raising, you're not answering the question. Do you think
3: it was...
4: Forget about critical thinking. We don't even have logic. China's military is becoming a formidable force. In 2022, it had a standing army of just over 2 million, and it has the largest navy in the world
0: going to be a continuing military buildup in Iran in conjunction with Russia. Our fears are that we cause significant harm to the world.
1: I think if this technology goes wrong, it can go quite wrong. A
3: man of science who sought to create a man after his own image. Now, here's Sharon.
4: Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. And today on the show...
3: The one I think is the number one mistake is standing still. And the reason we stand still, and I think we know it, is because we go into a combination of denial and rationalization and also kind of misplaced hope, meaning that we say to ourselves, uh, it's not really happening, or I'll wait for someone to rescue me, as if we were kids, or, you know, if I try to do something, it's only going to make it worse, or it'll pass by and won't end up being a problem. I think what we know from our own life experience is that left to their own, things get worse rather than better. And we know that in our finances, if we don't address the mismatch between how much we're spending and how much we're earning, it's gonna get worse, not better.
4: My interview with the author of Instant Survivor that is so good in terms of helping us as individuals in the current economic, global, national, and even personal situations that we find ourselves in today crisis can take many forms stagnant salaries poor advancement proposals maybe even troublesome retirement outlooks maybe your business has shut down because of the national economic crisis there's so many things going on today and we cannot bury our head as our guest says in one of his chapters is head in the sand distress rather than having our head held high and that's professionally personally and other Otherwise, And let me just tell you a little bit about Jim. He is America's crisis advisor, a graduate of Harvard College and Columbia Law School. He has co-founded the crisis management practice at a major Washington, D.C. law firm where he's a partner. He's helped numerous of large organizations and individuals survive crisis as instant survivor of his own crisis. And I want to hear about that. Jim is a sought out speaker. He's appeared on CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, News, Fox Business News, and Court TV, and on and on it goes. Well, Jim, thank you so much for coming on Changing Worldviews. Please forgive the nasal here. My husband was on a business trip in Texas, and he brought it back. And of course, we love to share everything. <laughs>
3: Best way to get rid of a cold is to share it with someone else. Pleased to be on.
4: I love your book. I really appreciate taking a positive approach to something that can absolutely be devastating, whether it has to do with on our personal level and our families or, of course, nationally. So I want to touch on all three of those. And I don't think we can say that what's going on nationally with the economic crisis and everything going on around the world has not affected practically every business and every person in America today. Would you agree
3: with that? I do 100%. Actually, when I started writing the book, things were particularly bleak. I thought that uh, uh, and hoped that in some ways my book would be less needed, but that's just not the case. And as you said, the ripple effects are felt through how we feel about ourselves personally, about our finances, our health, our relationships. Uh, part of my message is that crises don't obey boundaries. And so when you're getting hit in your financial area of your life, you know, it, it works on you and it, it hits your health and it can hit your relationship with your spouse or your family. It's, it's such an important time to get to understand how you can conquer the crises that you face.
4: Let's just jump in. And ladies and gentlemen, some of the topics we want to talk about that are very intriguing to me are, according to Jim and his book, The Instant Survivor System, Four Steps to Conquer Professional and Personal Crisis, the number one mistake made when first facing a crisis, Mythbusters: the bogus promises of the crisis industry, and on and on. Okay, so before we get into the four steps, let's just talk about some of these Mythbusters, the the bogus promises of the crisis industry. I mean, are you talking about like stock up and making sure you have enough food and water and all that. Is that what you're talking about or are you talking about something else?
3: No, no. I'm talking about that there are a number of people in the crisis industry who I think oversell their stories, their solutions, and, and particularly, though, uh, tend to, I think, undermine our own abilities to solve our own crisis. You don't actually need to be trained to fix your own crisis. Sure, specialized training can help but you don't need it. You just need a system to follow. The instant survivor lays out, as you said, really a four-step system. Another myth that gets promoted is that your crisis is so unique that it requires special handling. I think there's uh, crises really are so similar, both professional and personal, and even national ones, as you mentioned, uh, Sharon, so that you know, while we may feel that our crisis is a unique snowflake, it can still get picked up by a shovel. And so the the real goal of my book is to lay out a system that people can follow, four simple steps, to really move them past what's holding them up in their lives and at work.
4: Well, let's just jump right on into your four steps to conquer professional and personal crisis. Let's just start there, and then we'll break it down and discuss how that really applies to some of the things we're seeing going on.
3: Sure. And, and by the way, maybe I can run through them very quickly, and then we might you know come back to each one. But uh, step one is really to what I call stay frosty, meaning stay cool. And everyone says that, okay, but the way to do it is to develop your own crisis management plan. That's what big companies do. Step two is to secure support. One of the biggest mistakes we make is to try to fly solo when we're in trouble. Smart people don't do that. The police call for backup right away when there's trouble. We should do the same thing. The third step really is to stand tall. And by that I mean to take charge of the crisis so you control it rather than vice versa, than you being pulled by the crisis. The first three steps are really designed to work you through a crisis situation. The last step, save your future, is designed to say, we don't want this to happen again. What steps can you take to plan for and prevent crises in the future? And I line up a one-hour audit on your life, on the key parts of your life, your relationships, your health, your career, your finances, so that you're strengthening the areas where you're weak and you're much less likely to face crises in the future.
4: Very, very interesting. Or that when you do face crises, you handle it much better. As a matter of fact, some of the chapter titles that I highlighted in your book, and you just hit on them. Number one, your future is your friend and complete your life audit. So I wanted to ask you specifically about that. So why don't we, if we can just jump around, what do you mean by the future is your friend? I mean, I have ideas, but what do you mean by it?
3: Our natural reaction is to think, oh, my God, my life will never be the same. It will never be you know, as normal as it was, and I've lost whatever you know, hope I had about how my life would unfold. Oftentimes, your life will be different after a crisis, but it doesn't mean it won't be better. I think the, the message is that embrace the future. of of what it is after you come out the other side of your crisis. And be ready for that, and don't walk around afterward thinking, oh gosh, my life has changed, and therefore it won't be good. It, in fact, can be better and can be great.
4: And, you know, we have a lot of listeners that believe in God, and, and I keep hearing in my head the verse that says that God will turn and work all things together for good. And I know that that is one of those truths that helps so many people get through a crisis is that future looking that, you know, it's horrible, it's awful. You don't even feel how you're going to get through it. However, when you look to the future, you know, it's going to be okay. And that's what you're saying, right?
3: I am. And, and you might even replace instead of your future is your friend, which is your faith is your your friend as you suggest is what can pull you through rugged situations you've heard the expression that God doesn't give you anything more than you can handle and sometimes that gets put to the test one of the people I interviewed for the book uh, named Danny Harris was an Olympic athlete won a silver medal in the 1984 LA games and planned to be the greatest runner of all time and got hooked on cocaine got forced out of running And ended up homeless on the street, working through shelters, working through rehab, falsely arrested, but has come through that. And back at the college where he went undergrad, he's finishing up, he's graduating, he's gotten married. If he can move through that kind of devastating series of events, then we'll amaze ourselves by the challenges we can handle in our own lives.
4: Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
2: Hello, this is James Robinson. I'm encouraging all of you to join us in prayer for the upcoming elections. We must not only participate with active participation in the vote, but also prayerful participation. Jesus said if you want your house to stand, you must build it on a solid foundation. He said the unshakable rock is hearing and doing what he says, following his word. In this critical point in human history, we must have godly leaders, those who will abide by his irrefutable, unshakable principles. I'm asking you to join us in prayer that people will vote, vote their convictions based upon principles, and vote for those who will uphold principles not sell out to political parties or partisan positions. You can sign up for the Pray the Vote Presidential Prayer Team website www.presidentialprayerteam.org. Become a part of this vitally important effort with me as we pray for the upcoming election.
1: Hi, my name is Janice. I live in Merino Valley, California, and I have been on Aloe Apex. It's amazing. I have chronic gastritis. have been suffering for the last three years on a daily basis, and this has pretty much cleared it up. I have Hashimoto's disease, and my thyroid has been enlarged from the Hashimoto's and from chronic inflammation and this has actually cleared the butter thing up. Even my neck pain is gone. This is really amazing stuff. So thank you very much for making this product.
4: And for our listeners, if you go to apexhealth.life slash Sharon, you can get a 25% discount or call 833-334-5433. Again, 833-334-5433.
0: You're listening to Changing Worldviews with Sharon Hughes.
4: There's a lot that has fallen apart in our nation and unfortunately a lot of the solutions is just to put money into it and, and that hasn't Turned out to be the solution. And I know those are big issues. And we can't really delve into the the specifics of those. But I'm sure you because you are America's survivor advisor, as you look at what has happened in our country, economically, especially and what's going on in in Europe and so forth. I mean, you've got to have some things that are just resonating inside of you that you've learned that you want to maybe cry out or scream out and say, No, don't do this, do this. Am I right?
3: You are right. I I also have the reaction, you know, oftentimes we quote the Chinese philosophers, and one of them, Lao Tzu, said that the biggest problem in the world could have been solved when it was small. And I think that's the story, really, of our own financial situation, which is for decade after decade, we have overspent, overborrowed, as you mentioned, Sharon, not gotten great results from our, quote-unquote, investments as well, You know, unfortunately, we are now trying to undo what has been built up over a long period of time. And naturally, there's a huge resistance to taking the hard steps that we need to, to undo the sins of the past.
4: And I wonder if what you just said ties in with the next question I have, based on what you have written in your book, and that is the number one mistake that's made when first facing a crisis. What what is that number one mistake?
3: Well, there could be several nominees, but the one I think is the number one mistake is standing still. And the reason we stand still, and I think we know it, is because we go into a combination of denial and rationalization and also kind of misplaced hope, meaning that we say to ourselves, uh, it's not really happening, or I'll wait for someone to rescue me, as if we were kids, or you know, if I try to do something, it's only going to make it worse, or it'll pass by and won't end up being a problem. I think what we know from our own life experience is that left to their own, things get worse rather than better. And we know that in our finances, if we don't address the mismatch between how much we're spending and how much we're earning, it's going to get worse, not better. If our health is giving us headaches, you know, it doesn't matter if it's something small, a sprained ankle, if you keep moving on it, running on it, pushing on it, it's going to get worse, not better. How many examples like that where if we respond quickly to what's bothering us in our relationships, if we you know, decide that you know, the, the marriage that we want, the marriage that we've had has started to drift away, then we have to, to address that. We have to work through the communication issue. We have to work through the ability of a couple to solve problems together. The faster that we move on our problems, the chances for getting a quick solution are just magnified.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, I'm talking with Jim Moorhead and his book, Instant Survivor, Right Ways to Respond When Things Go Wrong. It's a four-step system to conquering professional and personal crisis. And as we've talked about here, (laughs) I mean, leaders of our government are similar to, you know, owners of companies. And so these principles are going to work for our government as well. One of the things I wanted to ask you, and I I just really appreciate how you are weaving into this conversation, those four steps are. But also, this is coming out of your own personal story. This isn't just theory. This isn't just because you went to Harvard and Columbia Law School. (laughs) And this is something that came out of what I call experiential knowledge, which I think is the most valuable knowledge there can be, because we hopefully learn from that. And sounds like that's what you've done and decided to share with others. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your crisis situation that brought you to understand what's in your book?
3: Yes, I would. And I'd also like to mention, though, that you and I and everyone listening are in the same position, which is that nobody has taught us how to deal with the crisis. Our parents didn't pull us aside and say, "Let me lay out for you what you should do when things go wrong in your life." And certainly, at school, they didn't teach us, and our companies haven't offered training on it. So we're all basically scrambling, left to use our judgment and our best guess, and maybe to talk to a neighbor down the street. So, in my own case. I ran for political office, and, Sharon, it was what I'd call an incomplete success, meaning that I lost. And that's something I'd wanted to do all my life, so that was a crushing blow. And then several years later, I went to work with a high-tech startup, and uh, it had an updraft and looked like it was going to go great, and then it had a heavy downdraft uh, and ended up struggling to survive. And so the combination of those two experiences really left me uh, having what I would call a combined job and identity and spiritual crisis so i went to the bookstore to try and you know find something to read that might help me on uh, and it really didn't help to try to figure out what color my parachute was Uh, i ended up kind of falling back on myself and fortunately i'd had the experience of advising major companies about how to get through their business crises and i said to myself well maybe what i'll do is i'll just try to follow what i've been talking with companies about and see whether it works And it did. And I basically adapted into the four steps we've been talking about, the systems and tools and techniques that top companies use. And that's what worked to rescue me and particularly send me in the direction of recognizing that I had this ability to help people through situations, to... Explain it in a way that people can grasp, and it's a, a gift that I'm working to share with others.
4: Absolutely, I could hear it even in your voice. Uh, you know, when you're talking about whether it affected your sense of identity, or even on a spiritual level, that all has to do with direction. And you know, if I can say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what's the purpose of my life, and what about these desires that I have in my heart? How does that all fit together? And that's where a lot of that crisis can. Some people can just be taken out by it and give up and just settle for mediocrity and or give up completely. And that's not what you've done. So I applaud you for that. And you might want to say something about that. But what about these folks that so many, if I can just say, are out of work? And now they're not even on the unemployment rolls because it's been so long and a lot of folks have given up. Can you encourage folks that are listening here? And of course, we want them to get a copy of your book. But what would you want to say to those folks?
3: I have friends in that situation uh, right now, and I think that it it is an extremely rugged situation. I don't minimize it uh, at all. You know, I've been out of work myself for much shorter periods of time, three, six months, and found them incredibly draining. So I think the key really to the process, I think, is to, to stay connected. The most dangerous thing that can occur to us in a crisis, and it's particularly true when you're looking for work, is to run out of connections. It's hard to stay upbeat and particularly to stay active and social because there's a natural tendency to withdraw. And particularly, it's a struggle every time we head out to say, when people say, well, what are you doing? I say, well, I'm looking for work and I've been doing it the last 18 months. The the key is to stay connected to the world, to stay connected to the industry you were a part of, to the community that you're a part of, to continue to stay active, whether it's through charitable work, through part-time work, through, you know, for example, to raise money in some fashion, you know, sell stuff on eBay, just to stay active and to plan each day, the day before. The hardest thing, I think, is to face the feeling, I don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm going to fill my day. And when I've been out of work, Every day for a half an hour before I'd go to bed, I would lay out, here are the calls I'm going to make, here are the people I'm going to try and reach out to, here's maybe the book I'm going to read, and so even though it required a huge amount of discipline, I would try to force myself to do that and then to follow through on what I'd laid out the day before.
4: And those that have had training in counseling, such as I have and so forth, we know that feelings follow actions. And so by taking those actions, then better feelings will follow than not. And I just so appreciate there's uh, so much in his book, ladies and gentlemen, that I encourage you to pick up a copy of The Instant Survivor by Jim Moorhead. And again, that that website is instantsurvivor.com. Jim, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. And I'd love to have you back on the show because I don't think the national crisis is going to go away anytime soon. And I would just love to perhaps take these steps that you've outlined and and explore them in greater depth so that it will be more helpful for our listeners. Uh, Are you willing to do that?
3: I'd be Thrilled to come back on. You've asked fantastic questions, and I have really enjoyed it. And I hope it's been of uh, some use to your listeners.
4: Oh, I know that it has been. So thanks again, Jim, for coming on. And ladies and gentlemen, the Instant Survivor by America's Survivor Advisor, Jim Moorhead, instantsurvivor.com. Thanks again, Jim. Appreciate it. All right. Well, that's it for today, ladies and gentlemen. I encourage you to go to changingworldviews.com for links to everything we talked about on the show today. Sign up for my email newsletter. As a matter of fact, if you've missed any broadcast at all, you can listen in our archives. Just follow the links at changingworldviews.com. And when we get back from this break, you want to stay with me because I not only have my music pick of the week, but also our weekly preparation tip to help with grocery shopping.
0: You're listening to Changing Worldviews with Sharon Hughes. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
3: There's war, disease, and poverty, and our calling as Samaritan's Purse is to move towards it and to touch it and to minister to people that are in their greatest time of need.
0: We're providing the things that are most important to these people. Shelter, water, hygiene, sanitation. It's imperative. We go to the slums of the world, the poorest areas of the world, where kids have never had a gift in their life.
4: We're so desperately
1: short of supplies. We're so desperately short of people. Everything is overloaded.
2: And that's why Samaritan's Purse is Calvin. The
0: gospel is the power of God. Samaritan's Purse was here the day after the storm. Now we're here rebuilding.
2: Preach it. Proclaim it, shout it. You're
3: actually rebuilding hope and love.
2: I don't believe we ever back up. We don't surrender.
4: The first time you see a heart stop, and the first time you see a heart start again, is just an amazing process.
2: Jesus wants to take your life and use it for his glory.
4: This month, we have a special on books that address the time in which we are living. Some say the end times. So any donation of $25, you'll get two books that will really address the day in which we live
3: found out with killer bees and genetically modified crops that whereas we think we can contain these experiments in genetic modification, they have a way of getting around us. So the future of molecular biology could become a Pandora's box. And with that in mind, I developed a science fiction story called The Armon Gate, but in which we have probably 1,500 pages of research material stacked up on our desk that was given to us by people who work in genetics and in science and who work in military application. We use it as a backdrop for creating this story.
4: And to get this special, you can go to our website, changingworldviews.com, and click on the donation page and follow the links there. Or you can send a check to Changing Worldviews, P.O. Box 995, Cedar Ridge, California, 95924. Again, P.O. Box 995, Cedar Ridge, California, 95924. I want to give you our weekly prep tip and this week it's about what is on sale in February because it's National Canned Food Month, it's Hot Breakfast Month, Snack Food Month, Potato Lovers Month, Sweet Potatoes and Chinese New Year and because of all of this even with prices as high as they are we can plan on purchasing breakfast foods like pancake mix and maple syrup in February you can usually pick these up buy one get one free kind of sale. February is also a good month to restock your canned foods and boxed potatoes because this is the month that they go on sale and likely won't go on sale again until November for the holidays, so you might want to plan accordingly. Also, because it's Chinese New Year, promotions include things like soy sauce, teriyaki sauce, noodles, stir-fry ingredients, bamboo shoots, water chestnuts, and so forth, so this is a good month to stock up on those foods to be prepared because experts are saying prices are going to continue to go up. So hopefully this is helpful to you. Okay, so as always, I like to close out with my music pick of the week. And this one is by the Gaither Vocal Band. And it's a good reminder, no matter what our financial situation may be, there's always a blessing when we give.
1: If you want more help. Started breaking off some ears of corn He said, here boy, today this corn is just right it up for your supper tonight And I've learned it's true what my pappy used to say Sam. So I hope you'll hear these words I have to say. Now here they are. There are two kinds of folks. There's takers and givers. There's and complainers and big hearted livers.
4: So until I see you next time, this is Sharon Hughes saying it like it is.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Changing Worldviews. You can follow Sharon on social media or listen to her on many online platforms. Just go to our website, changingworldviews.com for all the links. And until next time, stay informed, stay alert, because we are indeed living in a changing world.